Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Standard Age podcast, a casual conversation about the lives of entrepreneurs and those growing companies. This podcast has been a wonderful supplement to my apparel brand, Standard H, which serves up elevated casual automotive and travel-inspired apparel and accessories to you discerning car and watch lovers. It's been a blast recording these episodes, and if you like what you hear, please visit standard-h.com and sign up for our email list. Our recently revamped website not only hosts every episode of this show, but also allows you to explore the entire product assortment and our latest travel recommendations. As an email subscriber, you will then receive offers no one else is privy to, and I can promise it'll be well worth your while. Just hit pause real quick and hop over to standard-h.com to sign up. We'll be here waiting for you to hit play when you return. Watch collecting is often described as a journey, and along these roads of exploration, you may encounter independently owned brands you've never heard of creating some of the most incredible timepieces. If you're in search of these brands, look no further than Passion Fine Jewelry, owned by former Standard Age podcast guest Tim Jackson. Offering incredible timepieces as well as phenomenal customer service, Passion Fine Jewelry is California's largest independent watch dealer located right here in Solana Beach, just north of San Diego. There you will find Roger Smith, Gronfeld, Kudoke, Habring, Sarpaneva, Roman Gauthier, and many more. If you can't make it to California, visit passionfinejewelry.com for their entire offering online. This episode is also brought to you by Contonement. Contonement's flagship product, the Kerchief, is a perfect medium between a handkerchief and a bandana. Featuring iconic designs such as a Fender Stratocaster and the dashboard of a Volkswagen GTI, these utilitarian cloths are an item that should be a mainstay in your everyday carry. Tuck one in a back pocket or use one as a neckerchief. Visit them at Contonement Co. That's C-A-N-T-O-N-M-E-N-T dot co and use the code STANDARDH in all caps, no spaces, for 20% off their entire online shop. Now let's get to the show. Justin Hast and I connected over Instagram. I know, big surprise, isn't it? He and I would share the occasional DM, but nothing too in-depth. I kindly asked if he'd be interested in being a guest, and if you follow Justin, he responded exactly the way you would think, with a ton of enthusiasm and appreciation, not unlike his approach to his content creation. And as two enthusiastic individuals, I can assure you this conversation jumps around like none before, and I had an absolute blast. As a result, it ran longer than many as well, which is nothing more than a testament to perhaps how much longer this chat could have been. We talk about Justin's approach to storytelling, his approach to watches, and well, really his approach to life. His optimism is infectious, and I couldn't wait to be reassured that it's all and honest and real. And well, Justin does not let us down. We talk golf and end up discussing a watch that's due to arrive soon, a glimpse behind the curtain he typically doesn't allow. In fact, we dig deep on watch ownership and what it's like to quote-unquote break up with a watch. I was incredibly grateful to host Justin, and perhaps needless to say, I'm excited to share this one with you. I hope you enjoy it half as much as I did. I'm your host, Wesley Smith, and you're listening to the Standard Age Podcast. Hey, Wes, hey, brother. There he is. How are you, Justin? I'm all right, man. You? Oh, good, man. Thanks so much for taking the time. I really appreciate it. 
if you don't be silly, have an absolute pleasure. It's um, it's actually a, it's a bank holiday here, so we're all just um, we we're all taking it easy, and um, and it's it's uh, it's actually been a lovely day. So um, uh, you know, it's a pleasure. It's an absolute pleasure. Awesome, man. Well, I have my phone out with a, a long list of questions for you. Um, so I hate to turn, yeah, I hate to turn your relaxing day into an interview. <laughs> Don't be silly. No, 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 no. I think that's, I think actually what, what we have here is a, a perfect encapsulation of what, what, what I love because what watches, watches have never felt like work. work. They've never yeah. felt like work. And, 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 and I bet it's the same for you as well, you know? So, um, Anytime there's a chance to talk about it, it's it's a joy. And actually, my wife doesn't want to hear anything more about it. So it's all good to be able to have someone I can <laughs> chat with and uh, <laughs> and enjoy it with. Yeah, you know, we must be married to the same woman. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was the I think it was the swatch that I actually came home with a couple of months back that tipped her over the edge. The the giant wall clock swatch from oh, um, from Zurich that right. tipped her over the edge. And, and I think from that moment on, she had said that she'd had enough. Uh, so wow. yeah, it, uh, <laughs> that's hilarious. What's going on? You're, you're in San Diego, no? I am. Have you been here? Uh, I've actually never been to San Diego, although I've heard loads of good, loads of good things. Um, yeah, I've been to, I've been to California a lot. I've, I've been to San Francisco. I've been to, to LA to, uh, one of my best friends w was out in Malibu for a long time. So I've, I've spent a lot of time out there, but actually never to San Diego, but I've heard it's, it's the nicest spot out of all of the. The, the coastal region there. So I mean, I, yeah, I mean, it, I think it's um, it's it's certainly it, it's it's lovely to live here, right? Like, I mean, it, the weather's great and all the rest of that. I actually used to work in Malibu, so I'm very familiar with that area. Um, but um, yeah, it's great. It's like a it's like a more suburban version of Los Angeles, I would say. And then it's obviously coastal as well, so um, plenty to do outdoors and that kind of thing. But um, not to, not that I need to sell you on San Diego, it seems, but did you ever come across, um, Jack's Pacific, the toy company out in Malibu on the coast, on the PCH there, there was, um, Oh, Jack's. Yeah. Yeah. Do you remember Jack's? Yeah, of course. Yes. Yeah. Weird, weirdly, that was, that was my connection to the area because, uh, my best friend's, um, sort of godfather, I guess, slash, in fact, he was his uncle. He was his uncle. He, he, he started that business years ago. Wow. And uh, yeah, he grew it from, from nothing. And um, he was the reason we had the chance, I guess, to go out so often. So um, yeah, that's oh, one of those things awesome. you can't be missed when you're on the road there. Uh, yeah, for sure. For sure. So, okay. So you, it's a relaxing day. We're talking watches probably a lot in this conversation. What's on wrist on a day like today? What do you got on? Dude, you know what? I had to, um, I had to quickly, that's why I was a little bit late actually, because I had to just jump out and grab something. Because in truth, and it doesn't happen often, but... Oh, you didn't have a watch on. I wasn't wearing a watch today, but that's only because I've just been. That's only because I've just been to 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 the gym and we've just uh, been sort of tidying up. So I have just got the watch that was next to the bed. Um, that is this American nineteen twenty one uh, in yellow gold. <laughs> incredible, incredible. Uh, no, I love okay. it because yeah, I, I, actually, it's it's kind of cool because today. I've got, I've got this Jack Purse jumper on, which I love. So I, I, my Californian vibes coming out, like this idea of the, of the jumper, the, the sort of relaxed vibe, and then something that's a little bit more dressy um, coming through as well. I just, I just love this, 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 this combination. You know, it doesn't, doesn't have to be sporty uh, all the time when you feel like you're wearing sports gear. So, um. so yeah, I'm, I'm a huge proponent of dressing watches down 
And of course, I'm in California, so all we wear is t-shirts and shorts, <laughs> you know, so it's it's kind of funny in that way. So you're saying you're wearing a James Purse top. I, you know, I worked for that company for five years. That's where I worked in Malibu. So uh, had you bought that in Malibu, I, I could have potentially sold that to you 12 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, that's cool. That's cool. We've got one. We've got one or two here in London as well. And I've always just, yeah, I've, I found the, um, you know, I, I know very little actually about uh, clothing and menswear, really. But I've always been a, an admirer of style generally and design. Always, right. I guess, an observer, always an observer of it. And, sure. and I love the experience of going into a James Plus store because it, 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 it's so aspirational to me as a guy coming from the city. It, it ticks all the boxes of what I dream my setup could be one day. So um, that's funny. Did you enjoy your time there? Yeah, it's a wonderful company. I mean, honestly, like, I mean, I hate to say it, but I'm kind of coming for them on the T-shirt front. You know what I mean? Like, I, I create my own T-shirts now. And, and, and honestly, the reason why my branding at the lower left of my shirts has a little tab on it is actually kind of a nod to him to just kind of not forget where you come from. And, and I, he has a little JP tag down there. And, and, and it's honestly, some people would say it's, it's, it's a copy or something like that. I mean, nobody's ever said that to me, but I look at it as an homage to him because I appreciated my time working there so much. And it did influence me. Um, it gave me a huge education on t-shirts, obviously. So, um, but in fact, um, the factory I use is the factory he used to use before he outgrew it. So, uh, not many people know that at all, but, um, it's, it's literally, it's, it's, it's the best factory in Los Angeles. There are other brands that I won't promote on my own show here, but they also are, are produced there. <laughs> so, um, I'm, I'm in good company up there in LA and, and the manufacturing process and quality is like, it's literally second to none. And I can say that cause I don't stitch the shirts myself. So, um, <laughs> but, um, well, listen, man, I know you're in the UK where, so are you in London proper? Um, yeah, I mean, you know, the view right now is actually, I'm, um, I'm actually in this little flat here in Battersea, which has the Thames running across it. Um, so it's Southwest London. Okay. Um, it's, 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 it, it's, it's, you know, it's pretty built up. It's, um, it's a little bit detached from the main activity, the, the, the central business district, the city and in the, in the distance, um, down the, the Thames there. And then over the, the river, you've got Fulham and, and Hammersmith. Um, so yeah, it's, it's pretty central, but equally it's a little bit greener. I, I, I like to step away from the, the real hustle and bustle of the, of the city sometimes. And, and it feels yeah. like that here. So we're very lucky. We've got some great parks and, um, yeah. uh, and there's, there's all the rowing clubs as well, just down here in Putney. So where, where you see, you know, those who are into rowing, you know, what, watching the, uh, the, the varsity rowing uh, match, that's where this all comes from down here. So it's got a nice energy about it. It's very active. It's quite young. It's, um, it's got a big Southern Hemisphere uh, influence. I'm, I'm actually South African originally, and there's a lot of South Africans, New Zealanders, Australians here. So it's it's as active and as sort of outdoorsy as you get in London, I think. I had no idea in in the the dare I say research I've done on you. It's like I you know I'd never heard you speak about your South African heritage. What was so you were born there? Obviously, how long did you live there? Do you know what, man? Not not that long. I was only there for five years. I've got some memory of it, but not a huge okay. amount. My folks do have they're 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 very South African. If you if you ever heard them speak, you'd know straight away they were South African. And um, no, we came over with my sister, and I think um, 
you know, when I was young, I think that my dad had a British passport. My dad's family were, were English. Mm. Um, but I think they felt that the UK would offer us more opportunities work-wise um, and professionally uh, with a little bit more security as well. It was, it was during apartheid that they left. Um, and, and actually there's a lot of South Africans that come out here for various reasons. Uh, so it's, it's a bit of a, um, yeah, they either tend, they tend to have left to go to, to the UK or to Australia or to New Zealand. So there's, there's a, there's a nice ecosystem out here, but you know, I grew up with a lot of South African friends even here. Um, and, but, but I would say that even though the UK is home and has always been, you know, wonderful to me, when I go back to South Africa, there is something special in there, in the heart, yeah. you know, the, there's something in the mornings, the smells, the sounds, um, yeah. you know, there is definitely South African in me for sure. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. I, I've always wanted to visit South Africa. I've never been. I've been to England twice, but I've not been to, to South Africa. I mean, it's such a long flight, you know, I mean, it's just <laughs> so far. But um, well, that's interesting. What what did your folks do when you were growing up for work? Yeah, they were both, they were both actually lawyers, which was quite funny because Never did they ever push me to go into law, mainly because they saw my grades and realized it just wasn't an option. But um, oh, is that right? You know, they, yeah, they 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 never they never pushed it on me. Um, but no, they were both lawyers. What what they they apparently met over a case. Uh, it's contested as to who won that case. Uh, even today, they they dispute as to who won that case. But um, my mom's <laughs> a, a divorce my, <laughs> my mom's a divorce lawyer now. Uh, has been for for many years, and then my dad was actually in. Um, sort of residential law conveyancing and he's now retired. So, um, yeah, it's interesting, but I did not follow their path and neither did my sister. Um, so uh, it was interesting, but it was a good, it was a good, it was a good base really, because I got to see, you know, they grafted a lot. They really did. They came over here actually when they were in their forties and they requalified again to, to UK law. So right. th they had spent their career in, in South Africa and then came here and requalified. So I think while we probably didn't realize it, we were learning and, and seeing what hard work uh, looks like and, and certainly taking a lot from them in that respect. Um, right. So I'm, I'm very grateful, very grateful for that. Well, it's interesting you say that you didn't follow in their footsteps because um, it wasn't until your email signature that I even knew what to call your profession. Because <laughs> your email <laughs> signature says, it says photographer, producer, and content consultant, I think. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So what, what is a typical day like for, for Justin Hast? <laughs> yeah, was, I, I think I was worried you were going to ask sort of something associated with what the hell the, the title <laughs> should be. Or should be. Um, it's, it's tricky. I think all of this stems from, I think, this idea that actually I've got ADHD. I think I've got ADHD. I've never been diagnosed with it, but I like the idea of <laughs> a, good day, a good day for me. A good day for me is one that I've been pulled and pushed around sort of on my own terms, you know, on my own time, um, but, been, but been pulled around by lots of different people and had lots of meetings and discussed lots of things, uh, pretty much all big picture things, never about the detail, because I'm not very good at the detail, but always good picture, big picture things and getting into bed and thinking, you know what, that's been a busy day and that felt great. I think I, I, I tried the idea of being focused on one thing and, and really struggled, um, but actually find that I'm, I'm better at being um, more flexible. So um, the title, yeah, the title, it's, it's all around watches. So I guess watches are at the core of it. I, I picked up a camera because I loved watches um, and fell in love with photography and film as a result of watches. Uh, not, not because I, I necessarily had an interest in photography, but as a result, have done over the years. Right. And then, um, and then you know, I, I always wanted to, I really always wanted to tell stories. I know people use that a lot and, and it sounds a bit cliche, but I really only ever wanted to tell stories about people. Um, 
because people have always been what interested me the most. And as a result, um, people and watchers coming together was the, 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 the ultimate kind of combo um, to then start telling stories about um, people and, and getting to know them through their watches and working with brands as well um, to try and maybe, maybe in some way be a custodian for watchmaking, you know, to try to, to inspire others, you know, young guys like us who maybe hadn't come to it before and, and be a bit of a custodian for that um, to them but also to, to do the watchmaking industry justice in the way in which we, we talk about watches and share the passion for them. Because, you know, years ago, I remember when I first got into it a decade or so ago, people's perception of watches was just that champagne and mm. sort of champagne mm. moment with um, the girls on the bonnet and, 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 and the whole vibe there. And that, that wasn't how I viewed it. I, I didn't right. come to it because of that. So yeah, that's that's probably the long-winded answer as to what the title is, but there is no title really. Watch Geek is is probably the closest uh, title that we could run with. Yeah, sure. I um, you know, there's a lot there. I mean, similar reasons for starting this podcast, really, right? Like, because it's a story about the people, right? Like, yes, it's, I guess, featuring and or hosting and uh, you know, promoting whatever business you're running or, or whatever the profession is, but really, it's about you right and you know asking about your parents would not be a part of the <laughs> the list of questioning if uh if it weren't literally about you personally justin but um i just love how much fun it appears that you're having doing what you're doing and um it's infectious frankly and um so as a fan you know i i love your content because I, you're, you're just displaying the same emotions that I feel, right? When I see these things. And like, even when you showed, you know, your traditional just now, I was like, no, 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 to borrow your term. Like, (laughs) (laughs) and so for me, it's just like, I love the fun you're having not to be negative, but I'm curious, is there anything you have to do that you just thoroughly don't enjoy? Enjoy, Yeah. Do you know what? Um, I think I've, I, I guess it, comes, it kind of comes back to my parents again in this, you know, in this in this respect, because people do sometimes ask, you know, what do you, you know, do you have a bad day? Do you have a bad day? Do you put it on? Do you, do you, you know, I mean, even friends like guys that I see at the gym every morning and stuff like what, you know, what, what are you doing, man? What are you doing? And, and in truth, there's absolutely nothing. I think I've just been fortunate enough to be brought up with um, with a level of optimism that's sort of ingrained in me. So none of it is none of it's contrived. I, I think. Um, the no, no, no is is probably the closest. Um, <laughs> that's probably that's probably the closest, uh, you know, to representing what I'm all about. As far as um, it just comes out, that's just what comes out when I get excited about something. Um, I love it. And uh, and as sad as it is, it is like when you see an officer case back on that show pile, the LUC that I, I I got to see it, watches wonders. You know, that's that moment when like no 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 that can't be that's just so beautiful um yeah yeah i think um what are the things that i don't like i would say um um i don't actually like being on my phone all day i actually Mm. don't like being on my phone all day and 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 actually i do get a lot of pushback in the best possible way from my wife about it she's she's like just what are you doing on that phone get off that phone and i actually don't like i actually recently got rid of my personal instagram account my my non-working account because it was it was killing me like it was it was it was too much and uh, I'm trying to and I've always loved simplicity but yet the nature of the work is typically uh, is digital and it typically can all be done through the phone and so as a result that means a lot of time on the phone and so whenever I get the update on the phone to say your screen time is down by ten percent last week that's a that's a bit of a win um, 
you know, for me. But I would say that's probably the one thing I dislike the most is being on the phone as much. Um, that you sound exactly like me. It's exactly how I feel. And honestly, I got a new phone in December and for some reason couldn't remember and or my password wasn't working for my personal Instagram. Mm -hmm. I said, finally, I don't have to use it. You know what I mean? Like I literally, I've just ditched it entirely. Like I haven't logged in. I can't log in effectively. I'm sure I could figure it out if I spent enough time, but I was kind of looking for an out anyway. So my personal Instagram's gone. I have no idea if anybody's tried to reach me since December. And you know what? I'm fine with it. And my wife is exactly like yours. She's always telling me to get off my phone. And of course, I'm like, I'm working. Like, Instagram is work. Like, and, and honestly, if, if I had to say anything that's like my least favorite thing to do, it's, it's probably Instagram. Like, I would love to just run my company and my business and do the podcast and stuff and just not have to promote it and not have to take photos and stuff like that. Because, and there's a reason people hire people to do it because it's a job in and of itself, you know, um, which I'm kind of interested to dig into to how you kind of navigate and operate your Instagram because you're not always holding the camera, obviously. So what's kind of your team like? What's your approach and to content creation? And as vague as that term is, obviously, but, um, you know, what, what's, the, what's the team? I'm pleased. I'm pleased that you've, you've, you've recognized that, that, that you, you're getting joy from cutting back a little bit as well. And, uh, it's mm. a double-edged sword, really, you know, social, because it is an incredible thing. It really is. And, and, and it's been such a great tool for, um, connecting with guys like you and, and building friendships, uh, learning, um, and being inspired, you know, it, re it really is. I think it's just a case like in many things in life, I think you just have to have it on your own terms. And I think yeah. if you're aware that, it can be negative and that it needs to be managed. And that's, that's a great thing. Um, as far as my channel goes, you know, I've, I've, I've really quite enjoyed the, um, I know that some people are frustrated by the way that Instagram works specifically because images are no longer the sort of the, 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 the transactional, um, you know, asset they once were. Um, it's become more about film. And I've really enjoyed that because I do find that those short films are an immersive way. It's it's a great way to capture a moment for people to to really um, share. Probably my my greatest asset because I'm certainly not the, the the most knowledgeable. Certainly not the um, you know the best uh, photographer, filmmaker, or any of that. But I think that I can trade on energy, and, and it, it portrays that energy nicely for 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 me. And and there is no team. It's actually just me. Um, it's just me. Um, but I've been lucky enough to work with some clients where we might be able to have someone filming us um, talking watches or, or, or doing bits and pieces around town. And then it's great to be able to share that. I've always liked the idea of collaboration. I think watch, the watch industry has been really um, positive in its, in its uh, you know, certainly from the media side of things. There's loads of um, guys that I've been able to collaborate with and work for and write for here in the UK. Um, and it's lovely to yeah, it's lovely to talk watches with someone else and to 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 to, to record those moments um, and to share them. But there is no real team just yet. I've I've sort of I've been lucky enough to build relationships one or two videographers where we've been able to film things like last week. Um, I've I've just started filming a series for YouTube for the first time, which is talking to to, to collectors about their two watch collection. Yeah, because, um, you know, I wanted to do some more film. But so I, in that instance, that's probably the first time I brought a, a sound guy and a videographer who I've worked with uh, into the into the fold. And, um, you know, we've, we, we did two films last week. So hopefully that's going to come out this week. Um, 
but really it's about sort of being really lean and, and working with people who you like to work with who are specialists in their field. And I feel like I've got this little network of people that I bring in on projects. If I need someone to help with a, a, a film production piece that we're doing for a brand, like last year, I got to shoot a series of films for Fabergé watches. And, and in that instance, I got a couple of friends in on board to help with that production. Um, but I also look after one or two Instagram accounts for small brands. And so they're, therefore I'm, I'm plugged in in that respect as well. So it's, oh, it's quite cool. a multifaceted. Uh... <laughs> yeah, no, that's really interesting. So, I mean, same here. I'm a complete one man band. Um, and, and I love that for you because, you know, back to, if not the ADD, the, just the, just being autonomous in that way. And the fact that you've handed your phone over to somebody who's not a videographer per se and gotten the footage that you've gotten has been remarkable. <laughs> so I don't know how many takes it takes, but uh, it, it seems like they know what they're doing no less. And, you know, I saw the the little clip with, um, was it the AP and the Jorn, the two watch collection? Um, are these going to be sponsored videos or are these all self-funded or what's the approach there? Do you know what? Do you know what was? I've, 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 I'm really, I've, I've been very grateful for my positioning, and I've been grateful that because I'm not, you know, I, I'm sort of, I guess I, I'm, I'm not, a, I'm not, I'm, I'm not someone who has sponsored posts uh, mm -hmm. to, to to share frequently, right? So I feel like there's a fr there's friendships out there with lots of individuals and brands, but I've yeah. never had someone force. No one's ever no one's ever said this is a sponsored post and 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 we want you to say this and to do that. So um, in this respect, it's entirely self funded. So I've just I've literally got the guy on board and I've said to him, how can how can you know? I said to him because we've done some product, we've done some filming for brands where they've had more direction, of course, and they are using it themselves. And we don't, we don't feature at all in, in credit. Um, and, and in this respect, I said to him, James, look, I want you to come at this with all creative juices. I want you to be as creative as you want, shoot this in the way that you want to shoot it. Um, because I'm, I'm going to pay for this and mm -hmm. we're not pay We're not sponsored by anyone. And also the guest can talk from the heart because there, there's no one involved. Um, Typically, there's no negativity because these are things that they love and they're things that I love. So there's no negativity. But I love the fact that we don't have to even think about who might be watching it down the line because uh, other than people who love watches. Um, right, right. It's, it's very much it's very much a self-funded project. So, um, you know, in that instance, he was the guy, that guy, he's he's actually Amazon. Uh, um, he's the Amazon tennis um correspondent so he hosts amazon tennis globally that that guy um oh. he's a lovely guy pete odgers and he um he, he he's he's an ex-pro um and he he and i were out actually playing golf um and we met we met we met at an ap trip actually we met on an ap trip to glen eagles and he oh. was wearing a 15202 and it was it was as good as it gets man it gets as good as it gets this is often the pushback is like dude what are you actually doing out there what what, what the hell is going on and i, and, and I think i think <laughs> I think that's that's always a tricky one to answer, uh, and not one that you know. I I think it's harder to explain that I have a job than I than I don't sometimes. But I met this guy, lovely guy. I met him on this trip, and he said to me, you know, I've got this fifteen two hundred two, and he treasured this watch. He absolutely treasured it, and he said, I've got this watch, and I've got a Jean. And I was like, oh my god, and it just got me thinking. That is that is the ultimate. That is potentially the ultimate two watch collection, and. Yeah. Um, and I, and, I, and I said to Pete, I was like, you know, would you be up for actually just chatting to me about how you, you got these things um, and why you got them? 
and um, he, he was really the inspiration for this new series. So, uh, and also I think, you know, similar to you, we probably both have this issue that we're so deep into things now that the idea of just having one watch or just two watches, call it just two watches, yeah. is, is almost impossible to think about. And yet I, for, um, <laughs> for yeah. some people, it might be, it might be okay. <laughs> well, you know, what's funny is like, um, I don't know if I should cut this out or not, but I, so I, I have 16 watches at this point and okay. they range from $200 to more, <laughs> I'll say. <laughs> um, and you know, I, I make this ammo can watch box and it holds eight mm. and I'm like, I, I, I'm kind of at the point where, and I, I, I don't. I doubt you heard it, but um, Warren and Wound was kind enough to host me on their podcast recently, and I disclosed the information that I have my first independent coming to me. Ah, and um, that's my sixteenth watch, and I was like, okay, I have two watch boxes full of watches now, right? And I'm like, I just and and I've been in the I've been in the hobby for a decade plus now, you know, as far as like the interest level and the reading and the Hodinkis and the articles and the yada yadas, mm -hmm. I've kind of reached my limit aside from the pieces that I just can't afford. Right. Like, so I've thought about paring back the collection, like, mm. okay, now I've like amassed this collection. I've, I've actually sold my first three. I've sold three watches this year. I prior to 2022, I've never sold a piece before. But I was like, you know, in this attempt to well, not only fund things like the independent, but also, you know, just taking into consideration what I wear, what I love, what I how, how wh where do I go from here is basically the question, right? And and I don't know how many watches you own. Uh, I would imagine it's maybe more than the two that you're discussing. Um, but it's like, do, what, what's your thought on? Like, do, do you sell a bunch to then buy grail pieces and try to pair back in? And there's no way I could only own two. Like, there's just not because it's like, I want a casual white dial, a dressy white dial, a casual black dial, a dressy black dial, you know, at bare minimum. And then a G-Shock, you know what I mean? So it's kind of like. Yeah. What, what, was, what was the independent? Was, did, you, did you disclose the independent coming? I have a Kudoke too. Oh, brilliant. It's black with the day night indicator at new at 12. And, um, and I've been in touch with Stefan and, and his wife about, you know, some details that, yeah. uh, <laughs> awesome. by the way, I didn't ask, I didn't ask what you've got on the wrist today. What have you got on? You know, I thought I'd pay tribute to you because it seems you have quite the close relationship with IWC, Yes, but yeah. I am, this is my latest it's oh, what a the silver dial, the white dial, the Mark 18. And it doesn't come on bracelet, but I, I loved the idea of having it on a bracelet. So I bought the bracelet in addition to. Um, you know what? That white, that white dial still gets me. It's, it's, it, 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 it was always a little bit strange when I first saw it because it's so different. You're, you're not expecting to see it. And I, and I really love it. I really love it. <laughs> okay. So obviously I've seen the black dial. I feel like you and I could talk for days at this point. Um, the the thing is is i i'd seen this years ago and you know you go over it. i literally just wrote an article i have no idea where i'm going to publish it but like on my flight home from hawaii last week my it was my wife and i's anniversary so we went to hawaii to celebrate our anniversary nice. and so 
I'd only took this watch because I was like, I want a white dial summer watch that's 40 millimeter or less. It's on bracelet. I could get it wet. It dresses up. It dresses down. It's also a little under the radar. Um, It it was the perfect. Perfect size, man, as well. Perfect size. That 40 mil for me is. Totally. This this is that's that for me is is a pod conversation in itself, the sizing, because more so than the number of watches, more so mm. than the number of watches that you own, the sizing and the right watches for you, not for anyone else, but the right watches for you, that's probably a dilemma that's, that, that, inca- that m- m- melts my mind more often than anything. So that, that was the impetus behind selling two of the three watches that I sold this year, and they were both Tudor Black Bay models. It was the original Black Bay ETA, which one might think I'm crazy for selling. But it's like, look, I'm not wearing it. The crown digs into the back of my hand. It's too big. It's flat across the case. It was also the very first like nice watch I ever bought, which is another maybe sacrilegious thing to do is sell the first one. But but I'm not wearing it and somebody else should enjoy it. You know what I mean? So, And I had incredible experiences doing it. I snorkeled in Hawaii with it. Like, you know, things like that. And to your point, like, excuse me, those are the reasons I sold those watches is because they were just too big and chunky. Um, and, but so what's your thought to, to rewind on, on pairing back for grails versus. Yeah. Pairing back for As crazy as it sounds, you just made me think, you know, you made me think of, the, the classic breakup line that, that everybody's either heard themselves or it's that not they've you, given it's me. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 no. It's not, it's not, it's, it's actually, it's actually, um, I really, I want you to be happy. I want you to be happy. I want you to be enjoyed and I want you to be out there having a great time. And for one reason or another, I'm not the guy to give that to you. And, and, and I take that on as, you know, that's something that, you know, neither of it's no one's fault. It's no one's fault, but, that black bay, that black bay should be being worn by someone else out there and, and, and enjoyed by someone else out there. And that's, and that's all good. And I'm all for, I'm all for um, having those memories and holding those memories, but also not becoming too attached to the, to the material. You know, the, the idea of, of the thing, the thing was great when you had it. And, and there are some watches that I recognize don't fall into this category. Of course, if, if there is a, a, a father's watch or a mother's watch that you've taken on, I, I do think that they should be held on to, of course. Yes. Um, even if you're not wearing them. But that doesn't extend to me, that doesn't extend past that first watch or two that has that really very deep-seated emotional connection. I'm, I'm all for saying, I had a great time and I can still hold to those memories, but now it's, it's not being worn and now I'm not getting the same joy out of it and someone else should have it. Mm-hmm. Plus, I also find that, you know, we're always evolving our pace. We're always evolving our interests, you know, in the independent space. You know, I'm very, I'm very passionate about the independence as well. And, and also, as you, if you're lucky enough to be in the industry, or even if you're lucky enough to buy an independent, you might have the opportunity to, to get to know the person who's making the watch for you and you build that relationship with them. And so the realities, the commercial realities of life are that you can't afford to buy everything. And, and why would you want to buy everything? Because buying everything's no fun either. The right. fun of it is tr- trying to chop and change, trying to scround, you know, trying to pull money from different places and try to make it happen. <laughs> and that's part of the fun of it, right? So I'm, I'm all for getting rid of things that you're not wearing or that you don't feel emotionally connected to anymore or things that, and funny enough, just before we, we spoke today, I was just about to pull out the watch box and take a photo or two of, a couple of bits that I would like to sell to someone this week. Um, oh. Because, 
I actually always, I was always really inspired by Matt, uh, Matt, um, Matt Jakobsen, um, his interview on, on Hidinki, the, the talking watches when he was on Manhattan beach, there talking. And, and for a number of reasons, I was inspired by that guy and, and his collection. I know that he got a lot of pushback underneath in the comments because he said something like one in one out, you know, this, this right. idea of one in one out. And that's been an obsession of mine for a long time is the one in one out. I need to ask one question is the standard H story. What was the, what was the story behind the standard H itself? Like, yeah. So, so basically, um, I was recent. Okay. So I had this idea in my head at the time I was one of the managers at a Gucci boutique. So I used to work for Gucci. And so um, my history, as you know, I mentioned, I've worked for James Purse. I have like over 20 years of retail experience, um, sales management otherwise. And so, I've always wanted to start my own brand. So I was working for Gucci and it was like my lunch break. And I was just conceptualizing this idea of, of getting a Volkswagen van, like a Vanagon, ripping the interior out and then building a mobile store inside of it. And the whole idea at the time was for me to like go surf and then sling t-shirts in the parking lot. And that's right when like the van prices started the uptick. So I was already priced out from day one, but it was through that research that I found this photo of the transmission that it had. And I was like, Oh, those things shift on a standard H. Cause that's like how you would refer to the shift gate pattern in an old car. And I was like, huh, standard H. I was like, that might be kind of a cool name for a brand. Cause like, I didn't want to call it Wesley Smith, right? Like, cause it's not about me. It's about the clothes. And so the other funny thing, having started this podcast, is like I often get asked, like, are you a podcast that sells clothes or are you a clothing brand with a podcast? You know, and it's like I've always been very appreciative. I'm like, I don't care if you discovered the brand, I- I'm winning. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, but uh, as far as that goes, like, so that's where the shift gate pattern came from is because it was through the research of those vans and then having worked at James Purse and I was like, over time as the brand was like evolving conceptually and stuff I was like the world needs not one more southern california lifestyle brand like we there are plenty of those right like so I really wanted to hone in on the automotive thing cuz I love cars and I love watches and frankly my most popular podcasts are those with watch people and the people who've been buying my clothes most are watch people so I just love that idea of it's kind of become the clothing brand for watch guys. Like, and, and I just, I love that because it's like, but also the people who appreciate cars as well. Cause with the Avanti, I'm a big Audi fan. I love an Avant and, you know, a daily driver with the perfect utility, (laughs) you know? So that's why I called it the Avanti. And, um, I've got new iterations of t-shirts coming, um, Jason Heaton's on board with being a brand ambassador. He and I have been talking about a couple things, um, and just good people. I have to, you might have to reduce the size on some of the gear for old Jason. It looks like he's lost some timber recently. I was like, I need to get on his program. Is what I need to do. <laughs> yeah, whatever the man's doing, he's uh, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good to see. I mean, uh, I think yeah, he's a lovely guy. He's a lovely, he's a lovely, lovely guy. So and, and great, great you're. So you're into working out. I feel like I've seen you in CrossFit videos on YouTube. Are you still doing CrossFit? Yeah, not 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 on YouTube. I I hope. Um, 
but, <laughs> but 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 I I do I do every so often. Um, not 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 filmed by me. But if there's ever a time that it, there is a third party filming a moment, then I find that that's kind of acceptable. That I, I I couldn't wholeheartedly film myself and then share it. But um, also because. You know, the, the, the box that I'm at just around the corner here is just a lovely group of guys. And I, I, I would be lying if I said that training and, and health and fitness was not my joint love in life. Um, right. You know, I, I grew up, um, you know, definitely wanting to be a professional rugby player. That was my, uh, my, 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 my real passion. So um, I had that written down. I, I, was, <laughs> I was so, no, no, I'm not even joking. Like, uh, it was like one thing I was like, okay, you're kind of built like you could have played rugby at one point. And I was, so I was going to ask you if you ever played rugby and two, like, what was the dream job as a child? So this conversation is completely off the rails, by the way, but I'm totally cool with it. I love jumping around because I, I like being pulled from different sources as well because yeah. it's far from boring that way. Um, and I, I think, I think, yeah, I, I, I sometimes wonder if I'd been in the States, what, you know, that my output would have been there. I mean, I, I've always liked watching American football and, um, Right. And I play a lot of cricket. So I've always grew up playing cricket. So baseball would have been probably a natural fit as well. But then again, I've always thought that golf, you know, would be my perfect profession because the idea of spending the whole day um, outside getting a bit of a tan or admittedly a poor one with a cap on, but just <laughs> being outside and, <laughs> and, the, and the cut on the arm, um, you know, but, but, but growing up, sport was always huge. And, um, you know, rugby was the number one sport. And actually I did play semi-professional and um, played for a few professional clubs, but, um, and then I had a, I did have a knee injury. So when I was about 23, 24, when I was traveling with the, this team, we, um, the ground was particularly hard and we, we wear blades a bit like cleats actually. Um, mm -hmm. Sometimes you wear studs, like big, thick metal studs that screw into the, the boot, but often you're wearing um, molds. And in this instance, they, they just got stuck in the ground and I pivoted mm. to come into contact and I actually dislocated my knee. So Whoa. I ruptured the ACL and MCL and, and that was sort of the end of the career. But at 24, I had already had a great time and I'd already felt that I'd taken an awful lot from the sport. I met all of my friends have come from, from sport um, and particularly rugby. And the nice thing here in the UK is that you can play rugby uh, in the winter and then in the summer you can play cricket. So there were, they were, they were very different sports in their output and you, your body could rest and recover during the cricket season and then come back hot for the rugby season. So, yeah. And then, of course, golf, 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 golf has been a passion and a love for so, so many years. Um, well, I was going to ask you about golf later, but like, so, OK, so what got you into golf in the onset? Like, was your dad a golfer? My dad had always played. My dad had always played. And actually, I was really grateful that he put a club in my hand really early. And we used to go down to the driving range as a little kid and just just swinging, just swinging a golf club and striking a ball from an early age. Just, you know, any anything <laughs> so basic, but just hitting or throwing something was mm. a very, very enjoyable thing and still is to me today. <laughs> um, and I think, you know, playing golf, I just a few friends used to play and I was just lucky enough to be invited around a bit. And it was always this endless, this endless journey for sharpening the blade and this endless process of trying to, you know, trying to, trying to improve, but knowing that you weren't improving because you weren't playing enough. And then, mm -hmm. but, but nonetheless, you enjoyed it. If you play, if you played at 130, 35 yard approach with a wedge and you landed it on the pin, you were coming back again. And that, and that was always the way it was for me. So, 
and I know you, you're, you're a golf guy as well, no? You love, yeah, you love it. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And, and you know, there's nothing, uh, there's, there are very few things in life that feel as good as a pure hit golf shot. <laughs> it's, it's almost like, especially with the driver, like, I don't know, what kind of irons do you play with? I've actually just got some some new ones, some semi um, sort of I don't know what you call them, like semi. They're not blades, but they're 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 tightless. Like a muscle back. Yeah, like muscle back. Yeah, like I, I, something IV eights or something. I've just had them fitted actually, and and yeah, they're, they're stiff shaft, stiff shaft, um, tightless. Yeah, well, that's what I play with. <laughs> yeah, I play, really. Well, I play I play blades actually. I play the MB. Yeah, I have MBs that I play with. And when you hit a pure blade, yeah, I mean, there's, oh, good. Yeah, I mean, they're incredible. I mean, the feedback, again, is is immediate. Like, you know if you've hit a well-hit shot or a poor shot. Whereas, like, with the driver, though, there's something weird that happens where, like, once in a blue moon, when you hit it absolutely perfect, it feels like you've hit nothing at all. Do you know that feeling, what I'm talking about, where, like, you just launch it and it just, you're like, did I even hit the ball? It sounded like I did. And then all of a sudden it's just launched and you're just like, oh my God. I don't know. Pros probably feel that every freaking drive, but like, um, <laughs> it's, it's, it's crazy. crazy. Yeah. So it sounds like, so it sounds like I need to take my road bike, my golf clubs and all of my watches to England and, and, and rent like a cool car and just drive around and see all the new friends that I have in the UK. <laughs> You're staying, you're staying, and you'd be, you'd be, you'd be very welcome. I mean, well, and likewise here, man, and likewise, come visit San Diego anytime you want. We have a guest room, more than happy to house you, a hundred percent. Thank you, that's very yeah. kind. You know who I did? You no, know, I did actually get to interview once, which was amazing. Um, was Kelly Starrett, the supple leopard? Have you come across him before? No. Oh, he's he's um he, he was on he's one of the earliest guests on um Tim Ferriss's podcast years ago. He actually owns CrossFit San Francisco. I think okay. which I think was the first CrossFit box in the world. Uh, and he also happens to be a, a big watch guy. And when I was training out there, I jumped in for a session or two at the, at the box with him, and and immediately connected. And then I spotted his um he had a Panerai on, and I started chatting about that. Then he whipped out, went into the back, and whipped out his Ballon Ross and. Uh, had a chance to interview him, but he he's out in San Diego. Well, he's got a place in San Diego. Um, right think but yeah i'd oh, love man. to and i'd love to. I definitely will i'll hit you up on that one so hold tight yeah yeah no no worries at all but um you know okay just to get back on on sort of the professional talk i was just curious you know you're so good at sharing other people's products right like whether it be iwc or als or or anybody like that um like do you have any sort of advice to give even somebody like myself or like a small brand to like who can't maybe afford to pay somebody like you to, to, I don't know, display that kind of enthusiasm. Like what, what kind of advice would you give a brand to sort of, you know, not just grow its viewership, but just to really produce something that might be of, of note for, for others to watch. Honestly, Wes, I think, I think just you doing this podcast is, is great. And I love the fact that you've branched outside of, uh, you know, you, you, you're, a, you're, a, you're a clothing brand, but that's irrelevant. That's irrelevant. Mm. You produce great clothes, but the reality is you've got passions that you live into and that you speak to those audiences as well. And, and I think that is great. You know, too often we, um, you know, a watch in of itself is, is, is not uh, that impressive. Um, a watch is interesting because of the people involved in its design, in its execution and those that wear them. 
Um, and so therefore the clothes become interesting by association. Uh, and I think you're, you, 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 I, I'm no expert. I'm really not. I'm just, I'm just someone who loves all these things and, um, and talks from the heart. Um, you know, to be, to be honest, when it comes to those brands that you mentioned, I, I, you know, they, um, you know, Langer specifically, you know, doesn't pay me a sausage. I just, I just actually find that I've gravitated towards them and I, I connected I was lucky enough to meet Mr. Schmidt, the CEO many years ago over a breakfast. I don't think he wanted to meet with anyone. I don't think he wanted to, he certainly didn't want to meet me that morning, but we met and we connected over rugby. You know, he, he's, he's big into sport and I ended up connecting with him. And I think this is just one of those things that I've learned through life is that people connect with people. People want to work with people. And there are many, many more people that, you know, certainly Langer could interact with. I don't get paid by them a penny, but like at Watches and Wonders, when there's an opportunity to interview Mr. Schmidt about the new watch, you yeah. know, unfortunately, calls calls me for that um because we just get on very very well and i happen to love the, the watches um and i think i've always said this to brands when i've had the chance is that there are people out there that have genuine enthusiasm and passion for what you do and if there's an opportunity to really bring them closer in a non-commercial way in a non-commercial way but bring them closer to the brand and mm -hmm. and build them into your story um and make let them feel the love then that is a really powerful thing yeah, I actually believe even more powerful than a commercial relationship because it really is honest. And I think people can feel that, or at least I hope people can feel that. Um, you know, IWC is an interesting one because when they opened their boutique in London here seven, eight years ago now, I was literally like a bad smell. I was hanging around like a bad smell because I wanted to just, I wanted to get, I wanted to get in on the, I wanted to take photos of the watches. I wanted to talk about the watches. It was kind of at the time when social wasn't a big thing. And I remember saying, guys, look, just let me come in and take photos. I just want to take these photos and I'll give them to you and you can use them however you want. I don't want you to pay me for them. And, um, you know, subsequent to that many years ago, the, the journey has been amazing with them as a brand because I really came to them because I love their, their, their watches, but I also love their history. Um, no one innovated around materials more than IWC to me. Uh, no one's had a more interesting backlog of kind of collaborations with other brands. Porsche design being one of my favorites. Yeah. Um, and, 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 and really, yes, they do pay me when I get the chance to, to film with them at their HQ when I get to present the novelties. But other than that, you know, I, I get to, to talk in, in a way that I want to talk about them. Um, and so I think it's, it's really about finding authentic connections, um, which in some ways through social is more easy now than ever before, because you can really see, um, you know, who, 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 who's enjoying what and, 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 who's connecting with your brand, uh, whatever that brand may be. But, you know, what, what advice would I give? I think that, honestly, I like the idea of building slowly. I like, I, like, I like the idea that we're not in a rush to capitalize on something very quickly. Maybe right. that's why I love watching, because watchmaking in of itself has been a long journey. And <coughs> it's, it, it, it takes time. And I think yeah. you're building a brand beautifully that you're slowly but surely building the blocks um, oh, thanks, man. No, that's really nice of you to say. Thank you. Yeah, you're building because that's been my approach. Is like you know, crawl before you walk kind of thing. Yeah, and 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 the design element of it, you know, I didn't know the, your your history within the industry, but you can see that makes sense because you've got a clear design DNA, and it's been built beautifully. I've always been a sucker for great design. I think people come to great design. Um, and simplicity for me has always been there. So it does tick all those boxes. Um, I, I don't like a brand that's trying to get, you get the sense anyway, as a consumer that they're trying to capitalize on you very quick and right. 
It's more of a, it's got to be a slow burner. It's got to be building things right. He's probably not the best example to use right now, given his controversy, but Will Smith, you know, his line that he used to say about building that, putting that first brick, laying that first brick in the wall perfectly to then build the wall. That was always an analogy that connected with me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, um, with with the brand, for sure. Okay, so obviously your your IWC kind of relationship, I guess, was was very organic because you were just naturally drawn to those pieces. I too, IWC is my first love, like through and through. Like that's what got me into like even looking or being interested in watches with price tags that involved a comma, for example. So, um, you know, from that perspective, what is the scenario that IWC has or doesn't have? Because Chris Granger hair, their, their CEO, he's oftentimes in their videos. So when is it that they hire Justin rather than just using Chris? Hmm. Um, well, I mean, it's, firstly, there's no comparison between the two of us. I don't think that. Right. That, yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, that, that wasn't the intention. That yeah. operating on a whole other level. I've had the opportunity. <laughs> only, only actually met him face to face for the first time at Watch of the Wonders, and oh, no um, he's definitely one of the. You know, he's definitely one of the most dynamic CEOs out there. I think he. Yeah. It's not easy, you know, and I think this is one of the key points: is that it's not easy to work within a group, whether it's LVMH, Swatch, or Richmond, because. Yeah it's very, it's very challenging. You know, these are big, big businesses. They're like slow moving juggernauts mm -hmm. and there's a lot of great people in them. And it's actually not easy to work in those environments, especially not as a CEO. Um, this is, by the way, this is not coming from Chris to me, but this is just from speaking to people out there over the years. Um, and so I think what he does is really quite impressive. You know, he encapsulates, I think the brand beautifully, you know, he's, he's, he's young, he's athletic, he's dynamic, he's driven. Um, you know, he he has presence about him. I think all of those key metrics are are exhibited in his character. Um, he's a perfectionist, no doubt about that. Um, and when it comes to, you know, marketing and the capacity to tell your story, IWC have always been on the borderline of, of what's, you know, they've always been on the edge, sorry, of, of what's cool. Like that some of their adverts you'll remember from the 90s, you know, 80s, 70s, 80s, 90s, they were controversial, they were borderline, but they were pushing the envelope of what was acceptable at the time. Some of those right. probably aren't acceptable now, but we we move on. And now, you know, IWC have always been at the forefront of telling stories on their website, you know, going and speaking to people who are making cool things, um, who are doing cool things, because we know and they know that people want to buy into that. And and that's cool. You know, they're not trying to hold that, but, but not many brands are doing that, I don't think. Um, certainly not having done it as quickly and as aggressively as IWC did. I think what, what they wanted with me was they wanted um, a third party to be able to ask questions in a way that would represent what the enthusiasts would want to know themselves. Makes sense. Yeah. Recently with Christian Knut, the head designer there, you know, my role, and we didn't plan any of the scripts, honestly, I just, I just arrived and I got the chance to ask him the questions I wanted to ask about these new products. Um, so I think that's when I step in. Um, Chris, Chris, you know, Chris does does present things that are more about partnerships. I think uh, he gets the big interviews. He gets the Tom Brady's of the world. He gets the the Lewis Hamiltons of the world. Uh, that's not that's not my space there for them. But um, I'm, right. I'm I'm I'm, all, I'm eternally in, indebted to them because it it allowed me to step away when I was at Revolution Magazine for a, a couple of years uh, as an online editor there. I never thought I could ever do anything by myself necessarily. And they gave me the opportunity to just step away. Um, they, they, um, you know, they, they paid me for one series of that video um, 
series, the how-to series years ago. And that was just enough to, to say, you know what, I could find ways to, to be alone out there in this, in the industry. And so I'm very, very indebted to them. Um, and I still happen to love the watches to this day. Um, and funny enough, my wife, you know, the first time we went on a date, she, she actually commented on this Top Gun that I've got, this ceramic Top Gun. And to, to this day, it's probably the one watch she likes more than any other. So, oh, that's cool. She takes no interest in the vast majority of them, but for right. some reason found that watch to be quite cool. So there's all sorts of stories uh, around IWC and why it's close to my heart. That's, yeah, it's the same. And, and I think Chris, and we mentioned Wilhelm earlier, I think they're, they're my two favorite CEOs. I think because of, I, I don't know, maybe just like, because I love the watches they represent the most, I guess, you know, I mean, ALS being a very aspirational watch for me, cause I can't afford one right now, but, uh, you know, an 1815 chronograph has been on my, you know, grail list since like the day I heard about it. I was just like, that is just incredible. Um, but you know, Chris has his architecture background. Wilhelm's like an enormous car guy. Um, Crazy car. Yeah. So, so, I mean, uh, those would be two very good gets for this podcast maybe. And, um, before I get too big for my britches, <laughs> you've got to come, you've got to come over for the concourse d'elegance here at Hampton court, uh, that Langer sponsor every year. That's, that's your trip, man. That's your next trip to London because what are the dates? I, I, I'd have to double check on that for this year, but <laughs> is there. he is, he's there. And again, I think the reason he, he's such a, a, a prominent figure is because he really does encapsulate the audience, you know, the the the, mm. the, the, the audience that, that Langer are speaking to, um, he lives and breathes cars. I mean, I know nothing about cars, really, but he is driving some, I mean, he rocked up with an old Bristol, he had a 911, he had a number of different cars of his own that he was showing at the show. Just just a really, really lovely guy and, and super elegant, super smart. Um, you guys would, uh, you guys would hit it off. Um, yeah. And if there's any, yeah, of course, if there's any way that I could be of any assistance to get him on here, I think you guys would have a great chat. <laughs> oh, well, I mean, if that could happen, I would be, you know, more than appreciative. But so what got you into writing to begin with? I mean, I know you said you didn't want to be a lawyer. Rugby, you had the injury. So what what got you into writing? In the Where'd you go to university, first of all? Yeah, I went to I went to Loughborough University, which is, I, I guess, you know, not not dissimilar maybe to... Um, I don't know. I don't know what the equivalent actually in the States would be. It's, 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 it's the biggest sporting university in the country. Um, it's where the England cricket uh, center is. It's where the GB athletics center is. Oh, it's wow. the home of in the UK that it really is the, the pinnacle of, um, of sport in the UK. And, and I went there specifically to play sport. I only just got in through the skin of my teeth uh, just to get in academically, but I got in um, just and had a great few years there. Um, and, um, the writing, you know, the writing started, I think I could go back to this moment where, uh, I started, actually, I started a blog. I did start a blog off my own back, um, called Kankono, which is a South African, a Zulu word, a Zulu word for, to be better in, in, in Zulu. And I started writing about craftsmanship more broadly, not just watches, but I loved talking about other things like, uh, you know, shoemaking and tailoring and other things, just, I didn't really know what I was talking about and I didn't really have the passion for the subject, but watches really um, started, the interest started elevating as I was talking more broadly about craftsmanship. And then I, um, I then met Mr. Frank Geelan from Monochrome Watches. Um, so Monochrome Watches based in the Netherlands, in The Hague. And he was an old uh, member of parliament or he was a government minister 
who started writing about watches. And obviously Monochrome now are up there with Hadinki SJX, a blog to watch, you know, the top sort of five, five um, you know, watch platforms online. And, and, and I, I met him at the opening of the Bell & Ross boutique here in, in the Burlington Arcade in London. And he just said, you know, would you be interested in doing a story for us? And I was like, my God, okay. Um, but I'm going to be exposed because I knew I wasn't a great writer and I've never been able to really, uh, uh, I, I can much better talk my uh, passion and share my, my passion vocally rather than writing it necessarily. Uh, but I could, I could photograph watches, which kind of was a bit of a USP because there weren't many people out there that could write or try to write at least and photograph. Right. <laughs> so he, he was, he was kind enough to, um, to allow me to, to write a story for them. And, and I started the collector series on monochrome. Um, and that really was, that was, that was the first, uh, that was the first um, gig in, in watches. Uh, and then, and then a couple of years later, got a call from uh, Tracy Llewellyn, who was at revolution magazine at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, she was kind enough to, to take me on in, in the UK as, as an online editor. So um, that was the journey to watches, but I've never felt that I've really nailed the, the writing. I've just sort of talked with a lot of passion. You know, I was going to ask you as far as your approach to writing and or doing video, I was kind of curious actually, but it does, I feel like I have my answer, but like when you shoot videos, are you more off the cuff? Is anything rehearsed, pre-written, et cetera, versus quite literally writing an article that you have to edit and, you know, make sure the punctuations. Yeah. I think, I think, I think in the last 12 months, it's really become just an off the cuff thing because, you know, not only do the platforms, the social platforms seem to respond well to just off the cuff video. And and I think it used to be about a year or two ago, it used to be about really high value production. Mm -hmm. And I think that the, you know, and actually I saw a clip of yours recently of a car get together and it was just a series of shots that it looked like you were shooting on your phone and you edited them back together. hundred percent. Actually, yeah, I think people, I, mean, I think the barriers to entry to video have now dropped to the point where it's, it's, it's beneficial um, to ha- what are they, what's the old adage? You know, the best camera that you can have is the camera that you've got of on you. Yeah. yeah. That you have on you. So I think now we've got such great cameras on us that, you can shoot in, from your pocket and you can tell a story. And I think one of the, the unfair advantage that I've got is that I'm very lucky to be around lots of great watches often. And that means that it would be a shame if I didn't really, um, if, I, if, I, if I didn't share that with people and you can't have a, a crew with you the whole time. And so you therefore, you've got to use what you've got. You know, it's funny you should say that because I recently took photos of, of a Cartier tank and, um, you know, the, the beauty of technology is that I might be able to literally send you these photos right now as we're speaking. And I'll show you one photo that was taken um, <clears throat> with an iPhone, frankly. And then the other photos were, or the other photo is literally taken with a, uh, an, um, with my Leica Q2. And it's kind of crazy, like the differences. Um, <laughs> But I sent them through through Instagram. And again, I'll cut this out. But yeah, I, I agree with you based on, you know, the, the best camera that you have is the one on you. But going back to something more important, arguably, that you said earlier was that the authenticity, right? Like, so with the democratization of watches and with the democratization of content, you know, not everybody can 
afford a Leica Q2 and nor should they have to. Like, I mean, that's just, that would be absurd. But having those like maybe lower quality, quote unquote, types of content just proves that it's more authentic because it was actually you, you were there. You know, if everything is so polished, how would you, Justin, know that I, Wesley, didn't just hire some other guy to go shoot it for me? Like, yeah. and then I'm pawning it off as if it's my experience when I was never even there, you know? So I think the authenticity is what comes through with, with these kind of, again, using quotation, lower quality content. You know what, man? I think I think a couple of years ago, I really think that we traded on on the high polish stuff. And I think I certainly got, I certainly got in my mind that, well, I, I got into my head. I sort of beat myself up a little bit. Like if a, if a shot wasn't um, as good as it could be or, or, or whatever, or it just, it, it was all about that fine polished, um, you know, high quality image. Um, and I think, I think it can be different for a brand and an individual. I think, I think a brand should try to continue to, if it, you know, I don't think social, I'm always sort of fascinated to see the different directions the watch brands take on social because you've got someone like Nomos who basically is very, very highly polished and they only ever use studio shots and you very rarely see a sort of a lifestyle vibe. They're very Germanic in that way. Yeah, I was going to say that's very German. <laughs> very German. Then you see like someone like EP again, very protective over, over their brand. And then you see IWC, probably not dissimilar, more lifestyle focused. But then you see Chris and Chris has the freedom... Okay, Okay, he's a, he's a member of the team, so it's slightly different. That he has the freedom to, to to use his phone a little bit more and to be a bit rough, more rough and ready. Um, but I, but I think as individuals, we've got great opportunity to, to 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 share the moment that we're in with an audience that can connect with the subject. And and I think that's what it's all about right now. Um, it's a bit of a it's a controversial one in my mind because I do I do shoot for you know every so often I, I have the opportunity to shoot a campaign for. I don't know, like years ago, I got the chance to shoot for Jura Pirigo. And I really love that. Um, and, and that requires you to, to, to shoot in a different way. That requires more preparation and to deliver something of a higher caliber. Um, and that's absolutely right. But on a daily basis, even with your even with your phone, even with the mobile, you can be really quite creative. You can see someone's eye that they've got. You can see the eye they've got for, 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 for design and photography through just the phone lens. And... Um, it's great. You know, it really is. I was, um, yeah, I mean, it, it really is great. And, and, and I'm loving that democratization. You're right. We shouldn't have, there shouldn't be barriers to entry. Everybody should be able to be involved in this. And that's one of the, the narratives. And, and certainly one of the reasons I love the industry is that, and, and I try and talk about it a lot because watches, as you commented on your collection, you know, you, you have some that are a hundred, a couple of hundred dollars, up to a couple of thousand dollars and and that's absolutely fine there is no there is no barrier a, a guy walking into a watch get together or at, at to a dinner can be wearing a super cool watch that's that's a hundred dollars and 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 we can have a great conversation and and so we should and then of course if there's that uh, grand you know grand grand complication langer um you know the triple split whatever we should we should be able to speak to, to that that lady as well so it it's for everybody and, and that's important that's important i think that's what i love most about red bar Right. Because like, that's exactly their foundation. Um, by the way, those photos, the one in the espresso, uh, cup that, that was an iPhone photo. And then the other one is a Q2. Yeah. yeah kind of crazy. Nuts. Right. So for me, there's, you know, for me, that, that first one is what captures me. That's the one that captures me. 
Yeah. 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 <laughs> so, and, and there again, there's a, um, you know, normally I don't put OEM straps on my watches because they just never look right. Like I have changed literally the last eight watches I've bought. None of them exist in their retail configuration. Yeah. <laughs> like I've changed the strap or the bracelet or whatever. That's one thing I don't think that a lot of brands are actually doing very well at the moment is the strap game is not actually where it could be because we've seen a lot of, you know, aftermarket guys popping up and doing a great job of, of, of straps. And, um, I, 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 you know, for example, this, you know, this, this Vacheron, I think works so much better on something really thin and soft and, 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 and buttery rather than a thick sort of alligator. Um, and, right. and, and, and the quick change element is, is so big right now. Mm-hmm. Um, now we're seeing, we are seeing people evolve. I think AP have, have, have recently been quite aggressive on their rubber strap quick change for the offshore. Um, IWC have come in with some really interesting rubber with a fabric inlay into some of the pilots um watch straps so it, it is out it's it's out there but it's it's been slower moving i think and and, and yeah. i'm not surprised they're off the market yeah well and i mean i guess there's something to be said for that too right because like if you're the brand you're like we're watchmakers we're not strap makers right like because i mean they all get other people to make their straps anyway but i think like it is kind of like diminutive it's boring that it's like okay well this is a nice watch so it must go on an alligator strap yeah yeah, you know, I agree. Um, you've done a bunch of work with Mr. Porter, am I right? Are you still working with them or no? Yeah, man. It's, so, so, so that that was a that's that was a very um, organic uh, relationship as well. That the only you know the extent to which we work together is that they asked me if I wanted to join their um, their Star Council, which is uh, really just um, a group of men who they think are interesting, who have an interesting style. Um, and across different fields, lots of different industries are represented in there. I did actually laugh because I was next to Joe Gebbia. Well, I was I was I was flicking through the list of guys when it happened a few years ago, and I was like, how could I even be uttered in the same sort of com- the same the same conversation as some of these guys? Um, and I saw Joe Gebbia on there, who was one of the co-founders of Airbnb, um, and it just made me laugh. And then weirdly, I was interviewing him a few weeks ago. I didn't actually tell him this, but. Uh, I did get the chance to interview him for Ressence because he wears a Ressence. That's his his favorite watch brand is, is Ressence. Oh, amazing. I had the opportunity to interview him and that was that was really cool. So that's the extent, to be honest. And then, of course, writing some stories from Mr. Porter every so often. Like I, I just did one on IWC and their, their 80s collaborations and how they were ahead of the game. And I recently bought this uh, Louis Vuitton watch that was made in a green ceramic by IWC. Yeah. And so I write sometimes and then of course they did stock the watch annual last year so they stocked that for us and they were very kind to donate all of the profits to that to, to their charity to the men's health charity they run so i, I would say we're, we're really great friends but there is no commercial partnership there at all uh we're just great friends oh i see yeah i've never well, actually... it's funny. yeah oh i was gonna say you know that's a decent segue to the watch annual because i definitely wanted to bring it up and and, and talk about it um how did that you've put out two editions i think at this point right so um obviously tagged you recently on my flight to hawaii i read it cover to cover on the flight which i'm delayed in reading it but i I knew i would get to it i got to it and it went by lickety split um super fun book how did it come about how did you find the partnership How, how did you publish it like and find your publisher what what's the backstory 
No, it's nice. So we started, um, so a friend of mine who runs a, an agency, James Allen here in, in London, he runs a creative agency and he had, he had done some production pu publishing of similar kind in the past. And I, um, I started working with him on some projects and I just said to him, you know, wouldn't it be cool to do a city guide, a printed city guide of watching? So if you were traveling to the city, you could, you could have a handheld guide. And we started writing it. In fact, I did write it in lockdown in 2019. We, when we were in lockdown, I, I, I wrote this guide and he designed it. And we, we had, I think, 30 different brands in there that were represented. No one paid anything for it again. And we were going to print it. And then, suddenly the world went into lockdown not just the uk and and i said to james i was like you know what this isn't the year for a, a travel guide no one's coming no one's coming here to buy right now so that's that was the pivot and within two months three months we we had actually, um we'd actually got this idea of 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 the watch annual crystallized in our minds and i pitched it to him with a lot of passion that was that basically i think is watch guys and girls we would respond well to this idea of bookending a year with something physical because yes we all love the digital we love it but we're never really going back to look at a grouping of launches and i think a year is a good way to to, to categorize it and so we ended up with this idea of yeah okay so it's all the, the the most interesting watches from the year but it should come from the community because this is what it's all about the, the watch world is about sharing the passion with others and it should be um it should be uh doing good somehow. So it should be doing good for someone because watches inherently have this, 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 uh, you know, it's, it's a luxury good. It's typically, it's not something that we necessarily need. So we, we can't um, not push something back into the system because it's the right thing to do. And, and it was one of our early tenants of the project was it has to do good as well. And so that changed every year. That's going to change every year. We're going to try and support a different cause every year. Mm -hmm. Um, then we, we thought it needed to be beautiful because, you know, no one wants to keep something that's not beautiful that can't sit on their shelves. And we re I really want people to be able to pick it up and look back at the designs, the green dials from 2020 uh, or 2021, and then, you know, look at the designs and have take something from that. So that was, that was the start of it. And really, in that first edition, I literally just messaged some friends. I was literally just messaging friends who I thought would be prepared to, to contribute to it. And um, it was a bit of a beta test that first year. And, um, you know, we were really taken back by, um, by the response. It really took us by surprise. It was just incredible. I think we shipped to almost 45 countries. Um, we, were, we, were, we were really taken back and we had to reorder twice. You know, we self-funded it. Again, there's no financing behind it. No brand has the cover. There isn't even a watch on the cover, as you know. Yeah. No, no advertising in it. There never will be advertising in it. Um, and yeah, it was just, it was just great. You know, it's just been so fun. It's been such a fun project so far. And then the second year we thought, okay, how do we, how do we take it to the next level? How do we sharpen the blade a bit? Okay. We can take on more people. So we, we doubled the number of contributors, which is, which was great. Uh, doubled over doubled the number of watches. So it got thicker. Um, and then we thought, could we partner with a distributor? Because one of the problems we had was the shipping problem. And so while we didn't, you know, we shipped all of our own stuff to everybody, but then Mr. Porter was able to ship to, to, to more people more quickly. And they did that. And then we partnered with Julie Crowless to produce this limited edition print because we thought for Mr. Porter, it should be different. And, right. and, and their, their copy was hardcover. It had their name on it. 
And then, yeah, so we sharpened the blade a bit last year. And Julia, it was amazing working with her, this, this beautiful print of the HO8, which was Mr. Porter's choice of their watch of the year for their edition, sure. uh, which was beautiful and, 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 and different. Um, and, you know, we raised thousands for, um, for, for their charity, thousands for the charity we supported, um, you know, which, which, which helped with uh, the vaccine rollout globally. So, you know, it, it's, it's been so fun, man, honestly. And, and I was so grateful for your, your kind support of it. Oh, of course. It's, it's just, it's been a fun project. There's, I, I, I can't say anything more than that, really. It's been great fun. Yeah, it's cool, man. Like, I just love the the kind of chopped up content that it is, you know, written wise, because I too had a blog at one point. So it, it it's still up, but it I had like little blurbs, I guess you would call it back in the day. Um, you know, really short write ups on products and why you like it and stuff like that. So it's kind of, it kind of reminds me of a blog that's in print. And, you know, Matt Frannick's magazine, W and Brown, like kind of reads like a blog as well. It's very chopped up. And, um, and, and timeless too, even though those are the watches of that year, the way they're presented is a timeless type of approach to reading, you know, like you can read that 10 years from now and it's still just, yes, it's a look back at 2021, but the content doesn't seem, um, the content is timeless, you know, um, and I think that's really important. Um, you know, we often talk about first watches and stuff like what was your first watch that got you bit by the bug? Yeah, um, I think it's important to say actually was one thing I forgot was is, is also it was important to celebrate the creators out there because people were taking great shots of watches and they were sure. sharing their story and, and and it was it was it was really important to us to to, to share their skill because there's a lot of great photographers out there and um, yeah what was the first watch for me um, so so I, I guess going back to the very early stage the, the very beginnings. I remember just on holiday, wherever I was on holiday, I'd always end up cherishing a watch that I'd buy at an at a market somewhere. Um, you know, whether we were on holiday in Turkey or, or Greece or somewhere, and um, you know, you'd get a, a shitty sort of Adidas or a, a fake Adidas or a fake Nike watch from the the the, 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 the market, and then you cherish it all week and then you jump in the pool at the end of the week and suddenly the thing was steamed up and it was done and dusted. But there was a love affair. It was a short but brief love affair on holiday. As, as we've all experienced in uh, in many ways over the years. And, <laughs> and that was it. And and I think that that then led on to the, the, the watch that really ignited the passion, which I guess was there from an early age at, at 21. I'd never met my grandparents from either side of my family. And then my, my father gave me this Omega Constellation, a 1968 Omega Constellation uh, day date, which was my grandfather's. Um, Incredible. And he... Yeah, he lived in Joburg he, in South Africa. He didn't have any money, uh, but he wore, he saved up and he, he bought this one watch and he wore this one watch his whole life. And, and for me, that whole, the whole magic of that connected with me. And it was a Genta design and not many people appreciated this sort of cushion shaped case was a Genta design and um, super elegant. He had it on a, a gold strap, like a Milanese bracelet, uh, which, which when I took it back to get serviced, we changed for a, a leather car strap and just it just really connected with me and um when i going back to what we said earlier about being prepared to sell watches to to move on to things that you're going to wear and, and be more excited about that yeah. is one watch i wouldn't sell and and and, right. and will be with forever so it's 36 mil it's very elegant it's not one for t-shirt and shorts but with a, a black tie it's definitely one that i've enjoyed wearing a lot and um 
yeah, it's it it, it, it tell it, it's my connection to him. That's beautiful, man. I love that. My grandfather gifted me his watch on my wedding day, and I just I I broke down in tears. I literally went back to my hotel room and just sat alone with his watch for like fifteen minutes. And then went back downstairs. So uh, the wedding day was a very emotional day for more than one reason. Um, which what was cool. Yeah. What did he what? What did he give you? Early '80s two-tone date just baby, like it's so classic. And I I pretty much exclusively wear that with jeans and a t-shirt. It just looks so good with the jeans and a t-shirt, you know. And I'm not like a yellow gold fan, but having it two-toned is like okay, you know. It's like by curious kind of thing. <laughs> um, but, but it's, it's uh, uh, sorry. The two tone, two tone is the two tones. I think really, uh, really coming back. It's, it's super popular and, and it's great to see. And I don't know, do you wear it on the bracelet or are you? Absolutely. Yeah. Jubilee. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Cool. It, and it's so comfortable. It's 36 mil like yours. Um, <clears throat> So yeah, crazy comfortable. I won't wear it in the water, but um, but uh, it, it's it's phenomenal. Do you have any strategy or sort of approach to your collecting personally? Um, I, I would say uh, so. Number one, just driven by the heart. So it has mm-hmm. to be the heart. There has to be a, the no no no. It has to be a no 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 moment, and yeah. it's not that. It's, it's definitely a no. Um, but then 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 it's um. It's it's it, I am a sucker for the uh, for the classics. I I am a sucker for the classics. Um, Same. You know, I I I I sort of thought to myself, if you could have a watch box of say four to six watches, um, and you could only have that number, what would you have? And if you could only have one Royal Oak, one Langer, one one um, uh, Pilot's watch, what would they be? And that's that's where I've sort of that's where I you know all of these things a bit like you you said earlier actually where it's like it's hard to appreciate that sometimes you look at these things and you you, you can't connect with the fact that you actually own them or that you've been able to to come by them in different ways and not a day goes by that I don't put a watch on and feel in, incredibly grateful and humbled by the fact that I've actually been able to find a way to make it work yeah same yeah I, 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 so for me, I'm thinking, I'm thinking, you know, the classics. And if there's, if there's only one iteration of that classic, what would it be? And I think, in some respects, I, I, I think I'm, I'm, I'm pretty much like you said as well. You know, I'm, I'm in the process of getting rid of things and refining it because I'm, I'm pretty much where I'd like to be. There's, there's not a great deal more that I would really, really likes. You have, you have my head spinning based on the three watches that you mentioned because it's like. The Royal Oak's like the perfect kind of do everything, dress up, dress down. You could get it wet, provided it's new, right? Or modern piece. The Langa one is like, I, the golden ratio exists on the dial. Like, I mean, for God's sakes, it's perfect. Uh, and then the pilot's watch, yeah, as like a complete rough and tumble kind of abuse me, please, because I'll I'll take it. And keep on ticking, quite literally. <laughs> I, I, but then again, I'm also interested in the oddballs. I like, I like the oddballs. I, I mean, I love, I love things like I have a, an obsession with table clocks. I've got lots of old uh, '70s design GLCs. 
I've got yeah. a, an aluminum pocket watch from Vacheron that I absolutely love that I, I cherish on my desk every morning. I, I wind it and stick it on my desk and it's super, super light. Um, wow. And so I've, and then the Dunhill, a Dunhill lighter with a, an old uh, sort of handline movement. So, so man, it goes, like you. I have those too. <laughs> <laughs> got the setup behind you there, which is sort of my dream. I don't have an office yet in a, in a house I own, but one day, uh, that's the setup I would love is something like that where you can display everything that, that, that you love. And, um, my wife calls it a museum. The museum. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. She, well, she, good. she literally says like, anytime somebody's visiting our house for the first time, they're like, Oh, let me take you into Wesley's office. It's like a museum in there. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's a compliment, man. That's a compliment. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Every, come in there, every time you come in there, you look and, and, you look at those objects and they bring you just that little kick, uh, you know, mm-hmm. the Marie Kondo style, just bring you a bit of joy. And uh, I'm, I'm the same, I'm the same. And, and I, 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 you know, thinking of the ultimate, the, those ultimate references, I have to say there was one watch which has excited me a lot recently, which I, I, I never thought again would come into the, um, into the watch box, but the 3705. I was going to guess that. Yeah, the, the original. <laughs> I was- that man is delicious. <laughs> Delivered in a way I never, ever, ever thought would be possible. 3705. That, that was my next question. And then when you started that sentence, I was like, I bet he's going to say the 3705. Okay, so all right, I got it. All right, so full disclosure, I have the tribute to 3705. Oh, nice, nice, nice. So I, I, when I saw you got your original one, I was like dying to hear the story. And we were already on the books, I think, to record this podcast. So I was like... You know, like, I can't wait to delve into this because, <clears throat> first of all, where'd you get it? Was it difficult to find? I don't care about the price. That's irrelevant. It's, but why that watch, first and foremost? Because I, I think I know the answer. Um, and then I, I would love your, your take on the, the tribute. Yeah, I, 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 I saw a tribute the other day in the wild. I was actually on a flight back from Zurich and I saw a guy sitting next to me wearing one and I, I had to have a chat with him and... I, I think that's one of the most perfect modern pilot's watches that's been made in, in the last decade. I, 41 millimeters, um, it's serotonium, um, it's, it's an extension. It's not, a, it's not, a, it's not a, a replica of a classic, which we see a lot on watches. It's a true extension and an improvement on a classic because that serotonium innovation is really interesting. Um, the case size at 41 is perfect. Perfect. It's just great. It really is. For me, I always, I remember filming years ago at the boutique here in London with some of the heritage pieces with the museum curator, a guy called David Seifer here. And, and he, he brought with the 3705. And I remember trying it on thinking, my God, this is unbelievable because it's so, it's so elegant. It is such an elegant sports watch, the shape, the case shape of it. Um, I'd only ever seen, I think it was Ben, Ben Clymer did post once him wearing one on Insta and I sort of thought that was quite an interesting oddball watch that was a real insular choice. Um, you know, once you start to dive deeper into the old, uh, the archives at, at RWC, there is some amazing, amazing watches. And that at 39 millimeters, zirconium oxide ceramics, there's lots of different types of ceramic, um, but this was made in the area, in Schaffhaus in 1994, they made 999, a thousand of them. One was a, a demo. Um, and it just, you know, the tritium dial, the, the age, the way that the dial's aged, it's just got this, 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 this incredible age to the dial and the hands are matching and the pushes and there's something really, um, 
Yeah, yeah. It's, a, it's the definition of a tool watch. And yeah. the definition IWC is all about is, is tool watches. And, and if you're going to have a black watch, of course, it was the first ceramic watch made, uh, it's the first pilot's watch ever made in ceramic. Um, they had made a ceramic watch before the Da Vinci and, of course, this Louis Vuitton one. Um, but they had never made a pilot's watch in black. And this was the idea of Gunter Blumlein, the same guy behind the, the Langer One. You know, he was a visionary because he was a he was a, a businessman. He was an entrepreneur. He was a, a marketing genius. He was also a, an engineer. And he made the, the 31, 30, 39 millimeter pilot's watch, 3705, a black pilot's watch, which is such an unusual thing. You know, it, it didn't exist before that. It was such a weird, a bit like when the, the, the Royal Oak dropped in the early right. 70s, people that was odd right this yeah. was very weird <laughs> oh that's great man where where did you get it where did i get it i got it in so i did spot it originally on chrono 24 um it's a funny story actually how i acquired it because um a friend of mine in the states this my best friend out in the states said he really wanted to buy a watch and i had flagged this as potentially the watch for him and i Ooh. i'd sourced it i'd Chrono 24 and it was in the far east it was in like malaysia i think and um a couple of weeks had gone past gone by and he hadn't really decided that he wanted to pull the trigger so i saw i thought i sort of thought to myself i need to pull the trigger on this so a friend of mine who's a dealer he actually bought the watch for me and he put no pressure on me to pay him for it um but he said when you're ready when you're ready to to pay for it you can pay for it and weeks went by, the watch landed in the UK, and I sort of left it in the, the ballpark that it might go to my friend Jay, or it might stay with me if he loved, if he loved the watch. Um, and one thing led to another, and it got to the point where I, I just wanted to, to, to buy the watch and just to wear it. And I, uh, I just said to Jay, look, I, we'll get you one another time. <coughs> we'll get you one another time. This, this isn't the one for you. Um, and, uh, he he held no grudges. He he he's still very much keen to get one, but he appreciated that this was something that I just had to get and um, ha- had to own. And uh, the minute that I saw it, I was over the moon. I was absolutely over the moon. You you just you and Jay. You walk into a bar. Jay's single, but so are you. And <laughs> you're supposed to be Jay's wingman here. And you're like, no, she's a bit of me. Like I'm sorry, mate, but like. <laughs> pass like your day will come this is my day today (laughs) like if we get if we get about if we get about he'll tell you that that may or may not have happened in reality in the past um i love it i absolutely love it a dear lady in the past but um (laughs) no man do you know what so it's um so it's actually it it is um it's friend of mine he's they're at a business called Subdial uh, here in the UK, and he's um, they're they're only a young um, business, and um, a, a guy a guy called Tim there who's their buyer, and and he you know he was kind enough to 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 hold it for me in a way that no one no one has ever done before really. He 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 just he was happy to put himself on the line for it and to 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 hold out until I was ready, and I'm incredibly grateful and indebted to him because you know there are some watches that we have that. We just know straight away that will be with us forever. Yeah. That is one of them. I just know that that is one of them. And the same with this 1921 that, that I got married. This was the watch I got married in. And Oh, beautiful. So there are just a couple that I know won't go anywhere. Um, and um, yeah, that, that, that 3705 is one of them. It's just absolutely magical. That's great, man. 
Um, I only have a couple more questions. I, you know something I rarely hear you talk about, and we haven't even touched on it, is Rolex. Have you ever been into Rolex? Are, are you into it at all? Like, what do you, Where does Rolex sit for you? Yeah, it's really funny. Um, I knew you were going to say that for some reason. I um... <laughs> I feel like we're just like on the same wavelength for some reason. It's it's amazing. You're gonna. I just knew you were going to ask that. I um I didn't come to watches for Rolex. Right. I didn't come to watches for Rolex. Yeah, same here. For one reason or another, I just didn't. And um, I've 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 realized that um, a lot of people do. And, and I understand that because it is one of the most incredible brands across any segment anywhere in the world. Um, and of course, you know, Hans Wilsdorf was, was in the UK, you know, he was, he was British. So I, I should have had, I should have had that connection, but hmm. I, I, I didn't connect early on to their designs. I didn't connect to, to their designs. I didn't understand their product. I didn't understand the, the utilitarianism, the, the sort of robustness, the, the production side of what they make. Um, and um, I didn't even get the James Bond thing. I didn't even get the James Bond thing. You know, that ne- that whole thing never really connected with me, m- much as it does for so many others. Yeah. Um, and I think a bit like reference, I think Ben, I think he had referenced this in the past, is that, you know, it's like a, it's a bell curve with, with Rolex. You might, you know, this is not what happened with me, but you might come into watches for Rolex. Then you sort of fall out of love with them because you realize there's a lot of other brands out there. Then you come back to them because there's something magical about them. I think... In some respects, um, you know, in some respects, mine's the opposite. You know, I didn't come in and then I had this peak of interest where actually I started to really appreciate them and understand what they were about. And now I'm sort of leveled off, maybe at a lower level where I've got a Tudor. I've got a, a 7016, I think the reference is. So no date snowflake Tudor sub that has really captured my heart and my imagination. And it's it was meant to have been with the African Navy, uh, it, it, and, and, and it has an amazing story that I have yet to, to find final finalize to understand to nail down. Amazing. But you know, I, I have grown a level of appreciation for the brand. Um, I just I just I just have an interest in a slightly different space. I think in, in the watch. I think I'm my heart is naturally drawn to hand finishing, um, to typically more towards dressier watches. Um, for one reason or another, I didn't have any influences growing up who wore Rolex. Um, whereas I had a few friends, family friends, uncles, mentor figures who wore IWC, who wore, um, you know, vintage Tissot or, you know, yeah, more dressy yeah. options. So I think in that respect, I just, I just, my relationship has been uh, curious with them. You know, it's been curious. Uh, I have to say though, professionally, they gave me one of the greatest gifts that ever was given to me professionally because I had the opportunity to play at Wentworth in the in the B, uh, the PGA Pro Am, the BMW Pro Am, a couple of years ago. Oh, incredible! I got to play with Matthew Fitzpatrick, who's sort of top twenty uh, in the world, and yeah. that was one of the greatest. And my dad, my dad got to come with me to to Wentworth, and I'd never been to Wentworth before, and he got to be in the car with me, come to to to, to watch this terrible round uh, that I played at <laughs> Wentworth with <laughs> with the guys. So. That is something I'm internally indebted to, to Relics for. And it's really funny because in the industry, I had a chat with a friend at Watches Wonders and you think you're friends with them. And then you, you get a moment like that. They, it, was, it, was, it, was, um, it was one of the guys from uh, uh, Time and Tide, the Aussie, the Aussie publication. Um, and you think you're really close with them. They give you a little bone like that. And then you realize really quickly that you're not actually as friendly as you thought you were because 
they just keep themselves to themselves. They don't interact with you very much. They just do their thing. And, and why not? They're lovely people. They're a lovely team in the UK. But they're also, they have this ability to sort of ring fence themselves from any headwinds, from any conversation. They're not drawn into you. There's no email back and forth. There's no texting as if you were friends. There's none of that. Right, right, right. Oh, man, that's crazy. Well, I mean, speaking, uh, in, you know, talking about my grandfather's watch earlier, like I, even though he wore that Rolex for my entire childhood, like, and I remember it very vividly, like my grandfather's my hero. Like I, if there's a, forget Superman and Batman, I would be my grandfather, you know, like it's a, it's that kind of level of, of appreciation for this man. And, but I was, yeah, IWC still my first love. It wasn't Rolex actually. And so that's really interesting. Do you have any watches that may surprise us, you know, fans of yours and, and, and people like, do you have anything that would surprise people that you actually own? Um, it's funny. Cause I think, I think, you know, some people ask, some people say, Oh, you know, uh, is that yours or, or every, everything that you're putting up, are you sharing, you know, is that yours? What's yours? What's not mm, right. I'm always keen to, to, to share. Uh, I, I, I don't like to necessarily big up this idea of the next, you know, I, I'm not, sh I'm not so keen on talking about the next big acquisition that's coming into the collection. What's going from the collection. You know, I right. quite like that, that mystique that comes with what, what it is you actually have yourself. That's why I was so reluctant to talk about the Kodoke because I'm the same way. <laughs> yeah. You just, it, it, it doesn't sit quite right in the soul, you know, cause these things have more to them than that. They're not just yeah. the transactional thing. And yeah. so I, I'm sort of a little bit more protective over, you know, publicly at least saying, oh, there's something big coming in the collection this week, whatever. And right. you know, that's not how I've really viewed it. Um, so what would be an unusual thing? Uh, so I, I have got something interesting coming actually that has been curious to me for a long time that, um, that, I, I had a one-to-one -one with that Watches and Wonders. They weren't actually exhibiting at Watches and Wonders, but I did have a personal moment with them that I didn't uh, expect to have. And I certainly didn't expect, I should actually keep my voice down because Natalie is in the other room. She might. <laughs> <laughs> she I'm doesn't slightly know about, she doesn't know know about this one. I'm slightly I... apprehensive about that. <laughs> a bit like you were talking about being bi-curious with bi-metal bracelets. I'm a little bit octo-curious with the Octo Finissimo <sighs> from Bulgaria. So I have got, I have got this thing coming, which is the sketch, the 10 year. I love that. I love that piece. Dude, you know what? Anyone who's, anyone who's curious about it needs to go and handle one. You know, I'm, I'm totally with anyone who might have reservations about the design or the brand. I was one of, I was one of you and I totally understand where that comes from. But if you get the chance to handle one, you get this incredible experience with something that is incredibly well-crafted, very, very beautiful, very tactile, almost toy-like in its thinness and its, its, its Weight. tactility. Yeah. Weight, yeah, it's incredible. And then you see the movement that fills the case back, the micro rotor, the finishing. There is something special going on at Bulgari, but more specifically within that reference. I hated the QR code, by the way. The, the, I hated the QR code that was Same. on the, uh, the super thin one, yeah. That's beside the point. You know, this, iter this iteration, when I saw it, I was like, wow, what is that? This is the first time I'd ever sort of seen a doll that looked like it was it was literally touched by the creator, you know, sketched and drawn. Of course, um, Fabrizio, the, the the chap who's the designer there, he looks every bit the Italian designer you would want <laughs> yeah. designing a watch. He looks 
He's ridiculously elegant man, massive beard. Um, I've never met him, but you know, I immediately got this incredible energy when I when I handled it. I was like, oh my god, this is this is it. This is the mm. octo you've been waiting for. I always love the Taro Ando editions, the architect, the Japanese architect. Yes, uh, yes. Actually, this for me was extra special. This was Italian design through and through. The 12 and the 6 markers, I've never liked the typography on the 12 and the 6 standard variations. But when I saw this with his style of 12 and 6, that connected with me. And so there we go. That's a bit of an odd one that's coming out the blue that I haven't really... You know, I haven't really talked a lot about Bulgur in the past or been overly positive about them in any way. But I think now is the time that this watch gets a little bit of a moment and and, and it's coming. I think I think I commented on your photo or, or video the other day when you when you had that. And um, you know what? I'm going to call you out on something right now, because earlier you said that you're not really into details. And right now you're talking about nothing but the details. And you know what? That's my favorite thing. Yeah. <laughs> Let me caveat that. Let me caveat that point is that the detail, I, and this is what my- That's just a friendly, friendly pushback here, Justin. <laughs> no, no, no. I hear you. I hear you. Let me just caveat that. My mom would say, because she's a lawyer, she's all about the contracts, the detail, the, that she, she will say you're, you're, you're terrible at the detail. And that comes to the point of sort of managing the detail in my life. Talk about you know, energy bills, sure, talk about yeah, yeah. tax talk right. about i have i've got no idea what's going on there but when it comes to detail on watches or design of any kind i'm with you i'm all in on the design on that because i'll talk 100%. for about why that case on that alto finissimo the stepped level on that case this watch does not compete with the royal oak anyone who thinks it's competing with the royal oak is wrong anyone who thinks it's competing with the nautilus is wrong yes it comes from the genta archive etc when bulgari right. acquired them but it's a completely different proposition if you look at the bracelet the way that bracelet sits on the wrist, it's it's an extraordinary thing. And I remember seeing a photo of Mr. John Goldberger, um, you know, Goldberger, who's just a mythical figure, wearing one of these at an event in his blue pinstripe, double-breasted um, so, suit. And so, I <laughs> yeah, you know, it's funny. Oh, my God. So, okay, so there's a, a couple of things here that I want to say. Just, oh, my God. Justin, wait, like, I need, like, a part two, three, four with you because, like, it could go on for hours, but, like, to me, I feel like the Octo almost wears like a bracelet, like a cuff, you know, but it's so light, it's not, you know, um, prohibitive in any way, you know. But usually when I see John Goldberger wear anything, that's like my ticket to say that's not for me because I'm not that cool. You know, I mean, that man has style for days and I can't pull off John Goldberger's status, you know, like that guy's an animal in this style department beast he's a beast he's a mythical figure there'll be a movie one day there'll be a documentary on netflix at some point no doubt there'll be a documentary should be. and it, it, will should include, be. it will include mansions on every coast in the world it will include strippers in cocaine no i don't think it will <laughs> um it will it will include a lot of really interesting things because he he is a mythical figure that the bottom line is that tan of his is impossible how he achieves that year-round tan i'll never know and how he gets the wrist shot that that looks so poorly photographed, but yet so effortlessly cool, I'll never know. And he could wear anything and make it look great. A hundred percent. And any size, any size, any metal, any, uh, he, he could wear a Mickey Mouse watch and he'd be like, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Like it's, it's unbelievable. What, influence or what? That's the guy who has influence in, in, in abundance. You know, he, he could, as you say, wear anything. 
a 46 millimeter or a 56 millimeter pilot's watch, a B or from World War II over the cuff of the, the suit and the man's killing it to a, a, a 32 millimeter Rolex, uh, you know, whatever. He's, he's, he's the man, isn't he? <laughs> oh my God. Justin, man, this has been a blast. I, I can't thank you enough for your time. Um, I think that's a great place to wrap up. Just it's exciting. Like, and I feel like there's just only more to talk about in the future. Um, Thank you so much, man. I had an absolute blast. This went way longer than I anticipated uh, in such a positive way by the, you know, mind you. Um, Thank you. Well, it's a a pleasure. Honestly, honestly, thank you very, very much for the kind opportunity. Um, It's been great to connect with you. Yeah. And I'm excited about the arrival for, um, for, for, for Concourse d'Elegance uh, in the next couple of months this year. Yeah. So um, let me know when you arrive and we'll be going out. <laughs> hey guys, Wesley here. If you liked what you heard, maybe tell a friend about the Standard Age podcast. And if you have a moment, please rate and review the show as it helps others discover this podcast. Shout out to Jensen Reed and Super Beautiful for the theme track, as well as to Clear Audio for the noise-canceling headphones. Thank you so much for listening and I'll catch you in the next one. Take care.